King Richard III lives on in our cultural imagination as one of England's most nefarious villains, particularly for the suspected murder of his two young nephews while they were confined to the infamous Tower of London in the summer of 1483. No one knew what happened for certain, even in 1675, when workers found the remains of two children buried underneath a staircase in the tower. Many still assume that these were the long-lost princes, slain by Richard and then stowed away for centuries in an ignominious, anonymous grave. Yet, there is so much more to this story. Hello and welcome to Yesterday's News, a podcast brought to you by Factinate.com. I'm Veronica. I'm Dancy. And this season of the show is all about historical true crime. We are exploring history's dark side through courtroom dramas, executions, disappearances, mysterious deaths, and much, much more. This week, we are talking about history's most famous cold case, The Princes in the Tower. When we decided to do a season on true crime, we knew we had to do one about the princes in the tower. Like, Mm -hmm. and just that name, you know? So atmospheric. And like, what collapses true crime and history better than these poor murdered children? Okay, let's dive in and let's see if we can solve this infamous cold case from eons ago. But you know us, in order to get to the spicy part, we have to give you some background info. This is always my favorite part of any kind of crime thing, where it's like, let's rewind, set the stage, how did we get here? You know, you might be wondering how I got here (laughs) as a skeleton under the staircase. Yeah, record scratch. Okay, let's begin at the beginning. (laughs) Once upon a time, there was a very, very, very hot woman named Elizabeth Woodville, and there was a very hot king named King Edward. They get married, and they have children, and those children are the princes in the tower. So we have Prince Edward, the heir to the throne, and then we have Richard, the Duke of York, the spare. The heir and the spare, Edward and Richard. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now... If I talk about Elizabeth Woodville, like, get ready for the digression of your lives because her (laughs) reign was banana pants from start to finish. I'm just going to save that for our inevitable second season on Queens because we all know we're going to end up there at some point. (laughs) So for now, let's just leave it at this. Elizabeth Woodville was called the commoner queen. She was sort of plucked from ish obscurity. She was a commoner in the way that Kate Middleton was a commoner in that she's still on the fringes of aristocratic society. Like she's doing fine, but she's not, you know, some pedigreed princess the way that you would have expected the the king to marry. So all to say, the marriage between Woodville and King Edward was quite controversial. So eventually, in 1483, when King Edward dies, you know, this would leave any queen in a vulnerable situation, but it leaves Elizabeth in an especially vulnerable situation because without her husband, her claim to being a royal, it's just so much shakier than someone else. Yeah, especially this is kind of right in the middle of the Wars of the Roses. So there's a lot of factions. There's a lot of people who want the throne and any vulnerability is going to be magnified. Yeah, it's an absolute shit show. And when Edward dies, it just gets worse for Elizabeth, as well as Prince Edward and Prince Richard. When Edward dies, his will allegedly says, hey, I know I have a wife, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to trust my two sons, my heir and my spare, 
to my brother. And you've probably heard of this brother. Richard, the Duke of Gloucester, a.k.a. Richard III, a.k.a. one of the most famous villains in Western history. You can imagine how well this idea goes. Yeah, trust your kids to this guy. <laughs> I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, but mm-hmm. yeah, not a great idea. Not the best, as we will see. So Richard is kind of famously ambitious. He starts by targeting the queen's brother and one of her sons from her previous marriage before she got with the king. And this makes it really clear, like, Queen Elizabeth Woodville knows, okay, Richard is coming after me. He's starting by targeting my personal family, but it's only a matter of time until he targets my kids, Mm -hmm. including the heir to the throne. And she is right. Richard quickly starts to target Prince Edward, who, obviously on the death of his father, has become King Edward, even though he's, like, still a child. (laughs) He's now king. Richard intercepts young Prince Edward while the boy was on the road greeting subjects just at the very, very, very beginning of his reign. Richard then arrests Edward's escorts. Then he takes control of young Prince King Edward, allegedly to help him while he's on his way to getting coronated. Yeah, he's like, oh, let me, let me take over for you. So you can't, you're just a baby. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, in what world is like arresting this guy's entourage? Just a friendly gesture. It's not, it's not. <laughs> this is clearly a power grab. The beginnings of a very famous power grab. So Richard says... Oh, yeah, I'm helping you. No worries. (laughs) While he's like putting manacles around all the boy's friends. In reality, though, Richard was just getting ready to lock the young king into the Tower of London for his own safety or something like this. Yeah, again. Yeah, no one can get you here. Yeah, other people are trying to get you, not me. I'm trying to protect you. (laughs) Just just go in this cell and you'll be very safe. (laughs) Although, common misconception, the Tower of London was actually, had very pretty nice apartments. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like a weird two-for-one deal where it was a prison, but it was like a fancy prison. It was fancy jail, right? It was like jail for fancies. Yeah, it's jail for fancy people. But sometimes some people actually just like live there too. So, in fact, this ambiguity is probably exactly what Richard Mm. was was taking advantage of. He's evil, but he's smart. (laughs) Richard has the heir locked up. And he just wants to make sure that when he inevitably makes his bid for king, nothing can go wrong. So he also puts his eye on the spare. King Edward's even littler brother, Richard, the Duke of York. The little baby Richard, not the King Richard. Ugh, good God. Think of a different name. (laughs) Now, Elizabeth Woodville is no dummy. She knows that, okay, Richard has already taken the heir to the throne and sort of, you know, locked him up. She's like, okay, it's only a matter of time till this piece of work comes after me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go hide out and claim sanctuary at an abbey. Smart girl, right? Mm-hmm. Got the power of God on your side. No one's going to fuck with you. Uh-uh, they will. <laughs> Richard's men surround the abbey and demand that Elizabeth give up her young son. So what are her options? None. She effectively does not have any. Elizabeth Woodville reluctantly gives up Prince Richard. And after this, Richard III takes the boy away and locks him up with his brother in the Tower of London. 
Now, how on earth did Richard get away with this? He is targeting the heir and the spare of the genuine King of England, locking Mm -hmm. him up, surrounding the old king's widow, making her give up her son. Like, this is supervillain shit. How are people letting him get away with this? Well, again, Richard III was a clever son of a bitch. He had this soap operatic reason for why he was doing all this stuff. He said, okay, England, I know this makes me look like a bad guy, but actually I'm the hero because these boys that are going to be king, they are not legitimate. Okay, and Richard really ponied up for this accusation. Like, he didn't just have one claim for why this was the case. He, like, had three different stories for why these boys should not be king. Reason one, the priest who married King Edward and Elizabeth Woodville was a fraud. So their marriage doesn't count, which means their kids can't take the throne. Also, I have to add a really funny detail. This holds water because King Edward was such a hit it and quit it kind of guy that he regularly (laughs) fake married women to get them into bed. Oh, man. And then he was like, JK, wasn't a real marriage. You're not queen. Bye. What a guy. Yeah. So there's that. And then there's also the fact, and this is a fact, the king had promised to marry another girl who was pregnant when he married Elizabeth Woodville. Oh, dear. And Richard was like, guys, in my opinion, knocking a girl up and saying you'll marry her, that's as good as a marriage. So basically, with Elizabeth Woodville, it's it's bigamy. I mean, he's, he's got like half a point. Yeah, yeah. I think that this is less an indictment on whether or not the boys are legitimate and more like, wow, our old king was a horn dog and not a nice wow, man. Wow, your brother sucks. Yeah, your brother, not the best guy. Would not let him date my friend. <laughs> this is my favorite, uh, like the final trump card that Richard pulled out to be like, it's cool that I'm locking up these innocent children. He said, uh, actually, you know, it's less that the boys are illegitimate and more that Edward in the first place wasn't the real king because his oh. dad was actually a random French guy that um, our mom bonked one time. <laughs> And I know, I know this. I definitely know this for sure. (laughs) Oh my God. But Dancy, it's amazing. The reason he said this was because back when Edward and Elizabeth were flirting, Richard and Edward's mom really didn't want that marriage to go through because Elizabeth wasn't fancy enough. So she, some people think, spread the rumor that her son was illegitimate. She played herself. Yeah. She scorched earthed her own reputation Mm. to be like, wow. I swear to fucking God, Edward, if you marry this girl... I will take the crown away from you, even if it means destroying my own life. (laughs) So, yeah, Richard pulls that piece of family history out of his pocket. I mean, it was right there for him to take all of that. I don't know. And it's so juicy. (laughs) It's so juicy. If I'm a courtier in the 15th century, I'm I'm thinking, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean... I'm spreading that gossip around. Yeah. I mean, Richard, he knew how to play the PR game. Well, I also love how we have this subtle change, actually not so subtle change, from it's for the boys' own safety that I'm putting them in the Tower of London to like, and they're illegitimate. So (laughs) (laughs) they're illegitimate. Their dad's illegitimate. Their mom sucks. Everyone sucks except me. I'm the best. 
but I'm still trying to keep them safe. That's my main goal, not anything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I'm a nice uncle. <laughs> <laughs> don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't so, yeah, be Richard suspicious. is, like, really continuing with this PR machine. Again, his narrative has uh, transformed quite drastically <laughs> over the months. <laughs> but he puts the Duke of York and King Edward V, who is supposed to be King Edward V, in the inner apartments of the Tower of London and, like, kind of pretends, kind of doesn't pretend that they are prisoners. Sure, Jan. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. People see the brothers uh, playing in the courtyard at points, but these outside playdates get kind of less and less frequent. There's also these really chilling accounts of people who did see the boys. One person reported that the young Edward was behaving, quote, like a victim prepared for sacrifice. So you can only imagine that Edward, especially as the elder of the brothers, like have some idea that they're in the shit. Mm. How old was he at the time? You know, just 10 and 12 years old. So not old enough to defend themselves, but old enough to understand when they're in danger. The other thing is like, for all his PR moves, Richard, like he wasn't subtle and he wasn't always convincing. People were like, oh, uh, no, this is wrong. And people were trying to rescue the brothers um, through various means for a long while. But everything failed. And then one day, the boys are just never seen again. The last sighting we think we have of them is in the summer of 1483. And some accounts say there might have been a sighting later or some reference later. But in all probability, that's when people stop seeing them. And that is when they died. Mm -hmm. But no one knows for sure what happened. And that's why this is like one of the oldest cold cases we have. Mm -hmm. Now, lots of people do think they were murdered. Heck, I mean, again, people at the time were like, mm, they dead. Like, almost immediately, they were like, yeah, yeah, they're definitely dead. I mean, <laughs> Occam's razor, it's what makes sense. I'm so sorry yeah. to these young, innocent children, but you dead. If you, the shoe you fits. You have been killed. <laughs> and now, of course, most infamously, when it comes to the culprit for those deaths, most people believe that it was Richard, i.e. the man who had the most gain. Yeah, and the, the man who abducted them. I think this yeah. is a reasonable, you know, logical yeah. extension of that. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a part in The Count of Monte Cristo, which, by the way, if you've never read it, that book is so good. It's on my list. I really want to. But it's like 2,000 pages long. It's so it's long. It's very long, but it, it it's so worth it. Anyway, there's a part in it where <laughs> Edmund Dantes is like imprisoned. And Edmund's kind of a dummy, honestly, a little bit. At least at the beginning, Ooh. he's kind of this naive guy. And he's like, I like. Who? He's like, who put me here? Like, why <laughs> is this happening? And uh, one of his fellow prisoners is is like asked him to kind of recount his life, and he, he Edmund t- tells the story, and the guy's like, "Oh yeah, I know who did it." <laughs> and Edmund's like, "How how do you know that?" And he's like, "Well, just look at the person who has the most to gain. It's this guy, mm-hmm. and he's right, of course." Mm-hmm. And this is this is the same theory that comes with Richard. It's like the guy became king. <laughs> These are his main. <laughs> His main rivals to the throne. Um, Now, the one thing I will note is most of the accounts that blame Richard were written later, like sort of decades later, and by Richard's enemies. Mm. But again, he had means, he had motive. Some people believe that even if it was Richard behind the murder, he didn't do the deed, but had someone acting for him. 
Yeah, he outsourced it to a lackey or a henchman. This makes sense. Right. Thomas More names a man named James Tyrell, who supposedly confessed to the murders before his own execution. In this version of events, More famously says that Tyrell and his cronies smothered the boys with pillows and then buried them at the foot of the stair in the tower. Also, I just want to note that James Tyrell confessed to this under torture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, (laughs) let's not get too hasty. Um, Some people also actually think that the boy's uncle, Henry Stafford, the Duke of Buckingham, could have been like a lieutenant in this murder. There is a kind of fringe theory that even that Buckingham maybe acted alone and without Richard's blessing. Mm. He and Richard had a kind of pretty well-known falling out after in the autumn of 1483 and Buckingham rebelled against Richard. So the timing is convenient. But I don't personally think that Buckingham was the sole a culprit here like Richard never took the opportunity to shift the blame to Buckingham which like why wouldn't you <laughs> mm-hmm. and the other thing and this this I think is maybe one of the most damning things against Richard is it's like how could Buckingham access the tower without Richard's permission Richard had all the keys he had the guards you know like he knew where everything was and that of course, is a hurdle that anyone who wasn't Richard would have to get over if they were the people that were going to be murdering the princes without his say-so. Yeah, people tried to rescue them and they couldn't do it. So it sounds like breaking into the tower was not easy, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's the kind of accepted wisdom. However, there is one more interesting, semi-plausible culprit here, and it's another king. <laughs> it is... King Henry VII, and this is the king after Richard and the one who killed him in the notorious Battle of Bosworth Field. So, you know, bloodthirsty king. He's killed before. He's committed regicide before. In this theory, um, the boys are still alive when Henry comes to the throne. Mm-hmm. And he Henry ends up killing them shortly after his own coronation. The window for this, though, let me say, is tight. Henry is actually away from England until August 1485. Um, So again, he'd have to do it after his ascension. There's no opportunity for him to do it any time beforehand. Now, the damning thing is that Henry actually ended up marrying the boy's sister, Elizabeth of York. And in order to do that and make sure that his own children were legitimate, he had to re-legitimize their line. Um, because, you know, all Richard's doings he had to undo. <laughs> and once Henry did that, of course, he makes it so that all of a sudden the boys are like back in the line of contention for the throne and like, again, his immediate rivals. So if they were still alive when he did that, it would be pretty much necessary for him to kill them. But that would be such a stupid move to marry Elizabeth of York. Like, there are so many hot noble women to marry. Why would you marry the one where you had to re-legitimize your direct competition? Because she did come from a line of kings, because it's the Wars of the Roses, and she, and he knows that there is a, um, a precedent for her family being on the throne. Mm. Um, so actually, I would argue that they're that she is probably, probably was the best, most strategic option for him. And if he thought that all he had to do was kill a couple kids to get it, (laughs) maybe he would have done it. And that wouldn't impact his relationship with his new wife at all, killing her siblings. Never mind his relationship Uh, with his new mother-in-law. I think at this point, I'd just be happy to still be alive. (laughs) 
<laughs> I see what you're saying. Yes. It's a low bar back in the Wars of the Roses. If you can keep your own head, you're doing okay. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I but I get what you're saying, Veronica. Like, it is a little like, um, okay. I do think it has some plausibility, but there are other holes in it. Like, to me, I'm thinking, okay, so Richard just, like, kept them in the tower for, like, a couple years, just chilling there, didn't do anything with them. And no one ever saw them, and there were no reports of them literally doing anything. Exactly. Exactly. Although, again, there are some later reports. Like, there's a reference to, like, the children eating breakfast together from 1484. But, yeah, yeah. 1483 is, like, where most people are, like, hmm, conspicuously absent are the two young boys. <laughs> <laughs> and also that reference to the children eating breakfast. I believe it's just to the children. Like, it does not name yeah, the princess exactly. at all. It's just like, okay, some kids were eating breakfast. There's no way to tell which children it is, yeah. Now, of course, there is another possibility in all this. Could one or both of them have escaped. Another plot twist, am I right? No fewer than two people, a man named Lambert Simnel and another one named Perkin Warbeck, claimed to be Richard Duke of York, um, the younger brother. No one, no one claimed, really claimed to be Edward in any uh, notable way. <laughs> so oh, poor Ed. Probably denied. <laughs> um, the other thing I'll note is that... Um, <laughs> I love this. The other thing I'll note is that Simnel later changed his mind. First, he was like, I'm Richard, Duke of York. And then he was like, oh, wait, no, I'm actually a cousin of the Duke of York. <laughs> so um, I don't really think he's very reliable. And then even Perkin Warbeck, he gathered a ton of supporters, actually, within the royal family. Lots of people were like, oh, yeah, this is Richard. This is baby Richard. <laughs> but... A lot of historians have really rightfully pointed out that pretty much everyone who was like, Richard, Richard, that they <laughs> they really had a lot of political gain by saying that there was a true heir to the throne. You know, they were trying to get back in in the inner mm -hmm, circle. Mm -hmm. So bottom line, little Richard didn't make it either. Doesn't seem legit. No. <laughs> so after this, after these pretenders die out and time moves on all we have for hundreds of years are rumors about what could have happened what might have happened um and then as we noted at the top in 1674 almost 200 years later after when they think the boys died workers find the remains of two small bodies under a staircase in the white tower Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, and actually, that's what history always wants to see this moment as, is like a ding, 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 ding moment. Um, <laughs> I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but it is actually not that much of a slam dunk when you investigate the evidence. So first, yes, this place does match Thomas More's description. But the thing is, Thomas More also said that the boys were moved to, quote, a better place. So in the end, it actually doesn't make sense for his account mm -hmm. of how things happened. Second, <laughs> this is sad. Um, this was not the first time they found children's remains in the tower. <laughs> oh, come on, England. Be better. Yeah. They also found two other children's remains, like, walled up in another room. So, third, this staircase didn't exist during Richard III's time. So, kind of hard for them to be buried under it when that happened. 
Yeah, that is a good rebuttal, Dancy. And my last thing here is that there's not like, truly, these remains, as interesting as they are, and I think as exciting as they are, almost no examination has really been done on them. Um, a much criticized 1933 investigation um, looked at them, and they claimed they were the right age. But <laughs> This investigation didn't even check if the remains were male or female. Like, they were not, it was 1933, for one. They just weren't that concerned with much of anything but proving that they were what they already thought they were, which is the opposite of the scientific method. Uh, I don't know why this hasn't been returned to more recently. Like, just do a quick scan. So I'll get into that in a second, actually. Um, I also do just like a side note I want to make is that there's another potential site that really few people know about for the remains of the boys. Two unidentified children's coffins were found in the tomb of Edward IV and Elizabeth Woodville, so their parents, and that was discovered in 1789 in St. George's Chapel in Windsor Castle. And again, these were have also been barely investigated on. Ugh. And like, I don't, I don't get why either. Like, it, uh, come th- on. <laughs> There's lots of popular interest in these. Um, yes. But a lot of the investigations need either royal approval, in the case of Windsor Castle, or governmental approval. And, like, we just haven't been able to get it. So we're left with these incomplete theories. The only thing I'll note, and I, this doesn't necessarily help with the frustration, but as people have noted before, Even if we did investigate these remains, they would only help us confirm or possibly deny if they were the brothers. They would not tell us how they died or who killed them. We would still really be left with a lot of the same questions that we have now. So, I mean, at the end of the day, what do you think, Dancy? Who do you think did it? Richard. I think it's Richard. I mean, again, if the shoe fits, it's like... I totally agree. Um, You know, the one thing I I would maybe... um, it's like, no, it was Richard. <laughs> it's like trying to think, like, is there a hole? In, I mean, do I, I don't think he killed them with his bare hands. Um, no, no. I think he outsourced. I guess the only thing, not so much in his defense, is that he's painted as such a villain because he's a child killer. Um, but like, <laughs> like he's... I kind of like Marie Antoinette, right? He, he's he's as bloodthirsty as anyone was in the Wars of the Roses, not more. Exactly. I think that's a very good thing to note. Also, I feel icky about people being like, oh, King Richard is the evilest of the evil. And there's this gross sort of equivocation of his villainy with the fact that he was disabled. He had a hunchback. And, you know, that is definitely something that plays into his reputation as a villain. And that's such a horrible thing. He did not have a hunchback. He had mild scoliosis. But the exaggeration of his mild scoliosis into a hunchback, I think, is also really, like, telling on ourselves. Like, again, yeah. that a disability is equals, you know, evil. And then also, like, well, the more severe the disability, the more evil the person. Like, ugh, it's just real gross. Real, real gross. Wow. I hate it. Okay, so I think we both think it's Richard and that his status as a child killer has nothing to do with his mild scoliosis. Just to be super clear, <laughs> those things are not related. No. But stuff that does make me think it's Richard. Okay, so I really, really like mystery novels, especially Golden Age detective fiction. Like, I'm obsessed with Agatha Christie. At me. Talk to me about it. Mm-hmm. If you're also a Christie head, I love it. Mm-hmm. 
And I tried to, like, diversify my Golden Age detective fiction by reading Josephine Tay, who has written a critically acclaimed novel, like a classic detective novel called The Daughter of Time. And it is about the princes in the tower. And basically what happens in this book is a police officer is on bed rest for something. And he's like, you know what I'm going to do while I'm healing? I am going to investigate the princes in the tower and figure out who did it. And... The whole book is just Josephine Tay being like, and it wasn't Richard because of this, because of this, because of this. And I just, some of the points here are so bad. Like, one of them is, well, Richard and Elizabeth Woodville got along really well. But, um, did they? Yeah, like, did no. they? And even if they did, I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah, okay, here's what actually happened with them. Elizabeth was plotting to take him down. That doesn't sound like they're friends. And then Richard catches on to her rebellion and forces her into this deal where the only way she could leave the Abbey where she was still trapped and get her daughters into safety was to go live in his court and support his reign, which is not like... (laughs) My friends don't do that to me. That's coerced friendship. Like, that's not a happy friendship. Yeah, I don't want friends like that. No! Uh, And also, there is only one account from the time about the princes in the tower going missing. It's from a guy named Dominic Mancini, and he says Richard did it. A lot of people defend Richard by saying he's a victim of Tudor propaganda. Well, he and he is. And he is. He is. He absolutely is. But there's one thing written at the time, and it's like, oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> like, I just think that's also important yeah, to yeah. note. It's like he has been, um, especially with Shakespeare and et cetera, his reputation has been exaggerated. Mm-hmm. But he probably still killed those boys. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, you know, it would be cool to be like, oh, everyone thinks he did it. But actually, it was this person from left field. But like, no, he did it. It was him. I'm sorry, guys. So yeah, at the end of the day, we think it's Richard, and that's the story of the princes in the tower. Case closed. <laughs> <laughs> we did it, guys. We solved it. Thanks for listening to Yesterday's News, a podcast brought to you by Factinate.com. If you want to see dumb history memes on social media, give us a follow on Instagram at Yesterday's News Podcast or Twitter at Factinate Pod. And we have a new Facebook group where you can chat history with us and other fans of the show. Um, and that's Yesterday's News Podcast. Just search it and join. You can also get in touch by emailing us at Yesterday's News at Factinate.com. We will be back next week with another historical crime to dissect. Until then, don't let the bland textbooks fool you. History is the original true crime documentary.